This Sunday, we're starting a new series called Consider the Source. And I don't know if there's ever been a time in history where we have had kind of an era where there are just millions and millions of sources, millions and millions of viewpoints, and millions of voices. And it's, it's a unique time in history. You know, uh, when, I was, when I was a kid, uh, you would go over to somebody's house and what they had up on the walls was the wall of encyclopedias, right? And there was even people that went door to door and sold encyclopedias. Okay, anybody here who's under 30 years old is like, what? Are you kidding me? They, so, they came door to door and sold vacuum cleaners and encyclopedias. Uh, this is what used to, this is what the 80s was like, everyone. Okay. But they'd sell encyclopedias door to door because any respectable home would have a source of information that you could go to to get your homework done. And you would say, I'm going to the encyclopedia and I'm going to read that and I will know definitively what the answer is. And that was an essential part of thinking about it. I need a reliable source to get my source of truth, to do homework, to do other things. And I remember even in that era, there were, it was a unique time where, you know, debates would come up and you'd have a conversation with somebody and you'd say, um, you know, I believe that Harmon Killebrew is number five on the all-time home run list. These are the kind of conversations I had. You might not have had the same conversations, but I was a baseball guy. Harmon Killebrew was number five. And somebody else would say, no, Harmon Killebrew is number six. And no, he's number five. And you would just argue back and forth, and you would just yell about it, and you would have no way to really find the answer. If you told me in the 80s that there would be a day in time where in your pocket you had at your command, literally at your voice command, uh, the opportunity to answer any question like about Harmon Killebrew stats or anything like that, I would have told you, well, then there'll be no debates anymore, right? That would be almost the thought. It's like everybody would have the right answer all the time. And so, essentially, what would happen is, you know, we wouldn't, have, we wouldn't have silly arguments anymore because you would have a source of truth all the time and you would always be able to access that. Has that taken place? Are we, are, have, have in our time and an era, all of a sudden, has like, that all of a sudden, everybody's just getting along now, right? Everybody just agrees on everything because we have the answers at our disposal. The opposite has taken place. And we're in a unique time in history where there are so much, there's so much information. There's so many voices, so many sources that it's almost disorienting trying to figure out what is true and what is not. What is, what is false and what, 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 what is not. And so I think it is very unique in our time that we have to figure out what is our source. We have to consider the source of truth that we seek, the source of truth that we live our life by. Encyclopedia Britannica, that time has passed. And now there's so much more out there, and it's harder, and it's stressful, and it's more difficult. 
And we got to ask ourselves, what is a true source of truth? So we're going to talk about this over the next couple of weeks. I think that one thing that illustrated to me where we're at, and trust me, this is, I'm not going to make a political statement advocating for any point of view, but I will make a, I guess, a political statement. It's, it's pretty crazy now how you can like look at the conversation that's going on in the political spheres and you can hear the exact same words coming from different perspectives. I'll give you an example of what I heard this week. I heard this week, I heard this week from one news source that said, that this, we are in, uh, democracy is over. Democracy is over and democracy does not exist anymore because Donald Trump is not going to be um, removed from office. And I heard from another source, democracy was almost over if he was, because we voted to keep him in office, our democracy was safe. Two exact opposite points for the same exact situation that was going on. If one way it went, democracy is over. The other way it went, democracy is over. I mean, this is kind of where we're at in a culture. And that just kind of sums up a little bit of where we're at. It's kind of like whatever team it feels like you're on, That is kind of like what is true and what is false. I really believe we're in a post-truth era. And that is a unique uh, time in history. We're in a post-truth era where truth is not necessarily uh, dependent on, you know, like kind of it's just a fact or not. It is a lot of opinion, speculation, and a lot of other things that seems to be the source for many people's worldview and life, okay? I did, I did not make a political statement. Let me be very clear about that, okay? But it's true. In our culture and time, it's different. It's different, and something has changed, and I think a lot of it has to do with all of the sources that are at us nonstop, 24-7, coming at us saying, this is true, 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 and... There you go. We got our beautiful, cool visual. I hope that you don't get dizzy. If, we, if you get a little dizzy, if you're getting dizzy from this visual, just wave at Case and he'll pause it. But this is one of my favorites ever. Thank, uh, thank Whitney for making it for us. Uh, what a talented person. Isn't it cool? As soon as she sent me this, I was like, ooh, I'm excited to preach now because that is a cool little visual right there. So uh, thank you very much. But, but uh, did you... We should have given out 3D glasses, <laughs> then it would really be uh, cool. But this is our time, and this is the era we live in, where information is nonstop pounding us, pounding us, pounding us. What is true and what is not? And so we're going to start that conversation today, and the scripture makes some very bold proclamations, particularly Jesus says this. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's a statement that Jesus makes. If anyone ever tells you that Jesus, you know, didn't really say he was, he was divine or God, like, I don't know how you can get around this statement. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus makes this clear statement. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am the path. I am the source that you should rely on. 
I am the source of this information. I am the, the true source that you should build your life upon. That is a bold statement, right? That is a huge proclamation. That Jesus is the source that we should uh, focus on first and foremost. And so Jesus makes this statement and there's statements in scripture that talk about this is how we understand what is a good source and what is a bad source. We're going to begin to talk about that today, but it will carry on throughout other weeks. Um, I will say that the source of truth in my life, the authority that is something beyond what my opinion feelings are, is the Bible. The source for me is the Bible. And, the, and, and there's lots of reasons for that. But, but what, what I want to do today is kind of look at some of those voices in the past, some of those prophetic people, some of those prophets that were the source of some of the information and why we say this is what we believe. And this is why Jesus can make a bold statement like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Is it's how God revealed himself to us into the world. And one of the, the great prophets, one of the most important prophets in the Old Testament was Moses. And Moses was one of the people originally that God entrusted with saying, this is what I'm going to reveal to you that will be revealed to the world. And it's interesting how this pattern emerges, okay? And I think it's important for us to think about why do we consider these sources to be more reliable than other sources? Why do I say the Bible is my source of truth and uh, other things are not? And, and it's, it's not just, you know, like reading a science book, and we'll get into that a little bit, but it's, it's really profoundly... Um, how God reveals himself is telling. What God does to reveal himself is telling. And that's what we believe the Bible is, is God revealing himself to us. God's revelation to us. God coming to us and saying, this is what life is about. This is what truth is about. And so one of the first things that we see in kind of the interaction between God and Moses, as God reveals himself to Moses and then in turn to the nation of Israel and in turn to us, is in Exodus 3, Moses has this interesting experience. And he has this experience in the wilderness where there's this burning bush in Exodus 3. And God reveals himself uh, with this, and he says, it's kind of, it's, he is out there and he's tending a flock and he sees what he says is a strange sight that he sees. Why doesn't this bush burn up? And he sees it in the distance and he goes to that place. And there God says, um, he says, I am God's voice comes to Moses. And he says, who is this? Is this I am. And then he gives a charge to Moses. He says, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And so at the beginning of this, here's what takes place is it's a voice. And it's, it, it, it's a statement that is being revealed. And this is how God comes 
uh, over and over through the scripture is it's a voice. But you see, it's a voice and it commands and it gives uh, Moses a charge to go and do something. He says, this is what you're to do. You're to go and uh, bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. At that point in time, and it's unique and it's interesting, at that point in time, we don't understand or Moses doesn't learn a lot of information or facts about God. God doesn't lay out right at that moment in time, says, this is all the answers to your life questions you've ever had. These are like, like, like this is like, this will solve everything and then you'll know it all and you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt, like, I am God. He says, I am. And he makes no statement as, as to, you know, like trying to prove it or anything. He's just like, I am. So go and do this. And this is what you're to do. And that's the first step and that's what happens at first. And I think it's something that we, we, that is interesting on how God reveals himself. Let me go through this and we'll kind of reflect on it all. And then in Exodus 14, later on, we see that Moses does go forward. He does go to Egypt. He does bring the, uh, the people out of Egypt. And he has this ultimate moment where it is said and done that what God said will happen. I'm sending you to bring the people out of Egypt. It happens. They cross the Red Sea. They are completely free from slavery to the Egyptian people. And what God said would happen, happens. And that's kind of that's the pattern that we see. First, he says, go and do this. This is what's going to happen. And then it takes place. It takes place and it's something that is unequivocal, unquestionable, something that is dramatic and clear that it, it happened. They were freed from the uh, Egyptians. They were, uh, they, the Israelites did get out of Egypt and under the rule of Pharaoh and they were no longer slaves. So it took place. And then after that, we see soon after in the book of Exodus chapter 20, we see the Ten Commandments. And you see where God says, now, this is how you should live. You should do things like you shouldn't have other gods. You should do things like you should, you should, uh, you know, not bear false witness. Don't lie. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. All of these things. And he lays out this then is how you should live your life. It's, and then this is what is going to carry you along and uh, you're going to proclaim this to other people. So it's kind of, it, it, it's a bit of a pattern that we see that emerges in the scripture of what God does and how he reveals. Is he shows up and he, he calls and he stirs and he, he starts to move us in many ways. And then he shows up and he validates what he was talking about. And then there's more of a picture of what you should continue to do and follow. What follows here is lots of commands, lots of things that say this is what's going to happen in the future. And the pattern repeats generation after generation after generation until the culmination of Jesus Christ that comes. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. So stop for a minute, and it's interesting because uh, I was thinking about in our world how we find truth. 
In our world today, uh, a lot of people would say the best way to find truth from fiction is the scientific method, right? Scientific method. Scientific method goes like this. You have a hypothesis, and then what you do is you perform experiments, right, to test your hypothesis. And if repeatedly over time, time and time again, it repeats and it proves to be true, then what you do is you think that this is actually a fact now. And that has been a very important way for us to learn lots and lots of facts about this universe is there's a thought that pops into your head. You test it. And then if it proves time and time again to be true, then you're like, this is something that is true. I watched this week as I was thinking about how other people think about finding truth, a video from the Secular Humanist Society. And they said, you know what? Lots of people throughout history have have used a source of truth to say a revelation from God and a holy person telling them. And that is what truth is. But secular humanists believe in the scientific method, and that is what we believe, okay? And I was like, okay. And I almost showed it today, but I was like, I, I'm not going to show secular humanist videos in our, in our church service. But it was like very logical and very thoughtful saying this is a better way to find truth. And I would say that there is a lot of really good, important information that can be found by that. And that, that is very valuable. And you know what? There is a point in time where as you're going through school, you're learning uh, like science and math and you can test things out and you learn things. And at some point in time, like you could do a small little experiment and you can do it and it works and you figure out something. And it's like, that is true. I know how gravity works or I know how this works or whatever. And you can test it. And that's valuable. Even as you get older, if it gets more and more complex, you can use the scientific method to send a rocket to outer space and land on the moon and come back. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? That is some pretty serious truth that can be found out through this method. That is valuable. That is interesting. However, I just, I, I want to push back a little bit and, and, and pause because in the video that I watched about that, they said, this is how we find truth. This is how we find it. But then I was like, how do you find out about love? How do you find out about relationships? How do you find out what the meaning of life is? Because what I will tell you is the scientific method is awful for that. It's terrible for that. It's really good for flying to the moon. Great. Use the scientific method. But what you'll find is if you use the scientific method for everything in your life, you may get really complicated in solving math and physics questions. It's really just kind of actually first level kind of problem solving. It's just the, the, the problems get more and more complex and maybe there's more zeros on your math equation. But in the end, it's still, even if you're great at it and you can figure out complex, amazing math problems and scientific method can solve lots of things. Guess what? It still can't get you a girlfriend. Okay, it can't. All right. It still 
misses something, doesn't it? There's something missing there. There's something that isn't quite what life really is about. Because we know intrinsically and we know personally that there's more. There's more than math equations to life. And really, math equations in the end are kind of, that, that's not very impressive to solve that. And you know what? If that's all life was about, then Google would be adequate, wouldn't it? We would have all the peace and everything would be settled. But life is so much more vast and complex than that. What is the meaning of life? And what, how does that work? What, what, why am I here? Why do I exist? How should I treat one another? Why is this important at all? Because if it's just the scientific method, this life is really dull, right? Really dull and really small and really, quite frankly, insignificant because it just will come and it'll just go and it will just be and that's it. How sad and how, how just a terrible view of the world as, as a whole is that that's it. And that's the source of truth. It's interesting that God and some of the patterns we see of how God reveals himself has some pictures somewhat of the scientific method in some ways. God shows up and says, do this and you'll see what happens. And Moses lives this out. And it happens and it's profound and they tell other people and they go and they say, let's follow God. And they do it over and over again. And it's some, if they follow God, good things happen in their life. And if they don't, it's a negative thing overall. And there is a degree of the scientific method in how God reveals himself. There is a degree of that. And so there is points in time. And I will tell you, if uh, there is science that really does matter about this kind of stuff. And I will tell you, the science behind following God is profound. Is that people who say, I am following God and living the principles of the Bible, statistics so are happier. They're more likely to stay married. They are uh, wealthier, actually. They have a better support system. They're more optimistic in life and they are um, healthier. And all of these things change as people say, I'm following this source of truth and pattern. And that is what we have seen all throughout generations time and time again. So there's a component that is like a scientific component to it. But there's more. And, and, and so we could spend a lot of time and actually in our 301 class that is coming up, I spend the whole first class talking about why I believe and trust in the Bible. But I want to take a little bit of a different angle today. Is it what I would say is your source of truth is something that is really personal. Really something that, yes, there are facts and there are things that you have to figure out. There's questions that you need answered. But sometimes you need to just follow. Sometimes you need to follow. Sometimes you need to, you need to experience and follow what God is calling us to do. Sometimes we need to just hear the voice, I am, and walk forward and trust it. 
And here's what I found over time in my life, is that what happens is, is, is over the course of my life, it is not just a perfect outline of how I know that God is the, the source of truth. What it is, is it's me saying, God, I believe you, and I'm going to try to follow what your word says. I'm going to try to seek you. I'm going to try to understand. I'm going to try to implement this into my life and seeing over time how my life is different and how it's changed and how it's been transformed. And, and then trying it again and seeing how it transforms again and again. And in the scripture we see, this is really one of the, one of the ways that the scripture says, you will know that I'm here because it's, you're going to see it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to free you from slavery, from the Egyptians. You'll see it. I'm going to do this in your life. And the Bible makes these promises that really it's hard to kind of like quantify as this is my source of truth until we just try to live it. And, and the scripture has this interesting, interesting verse in Psalms that I love. And, and I would say, commit this one to memory because it's so valuable. Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. That is a profound statement, and that's a statement of someone who's walked years and years and said, I have heard the voice of God and followed it, and God has shown up in my life. And it's been proved and bared out time and time again. I I have done this, I've walked this road, and, and it is good. It is the right way. It is something in my life that has transformed and changed me. This is one of the ways that God reveals himself. And you have to understand that God, I don't think, is opposed to the scientific method. We're not antagonistic against that. But it is more profound and more personal and deeper than just that. It is God revealing himself to you and to me. And for you to start saying, not that I theoretically have a proof of what God is. I know God is because of A, B, C, D, whatever math equation you want to come up with. But it is, I have tasted and seen, and God is good. I've experienced it in my life. It's something that I have lived out, and I know. And so it's an interesting dynamic where God blends it all together and says, yes, I will reveal myself and I will prove it. And time and time again throughout the scripture, what we see is God coming and saying, this is what will happen next. And God being faithful in doing that. And there's all these prophetic voices that we look at a lot of times during Easter and Christmas to remember that there is some something behind what we're saying, that this is a source of truth. There's a method behind this. It's not just feelings or all feelings or emotions, but it is more than that because it's deeper than that. It's not just an equation. It's you living the life. It's you experiencing the presence of God and the truth of God in your life. And so there are so many times that we might say that, like, I am not sure. There's all these sources. There's all this information. There's all these worldviews. There's all these, all these perspectives on what I should do. And my advice to you is taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. Walk the road. Walk the path. And see if it turns out. See if God doesn't show up. 
See if God doesn't move in your life. See if it isn't something that is profound and personal and there is something more than just a scientific method. It's a relationship that builds. Because deep down inside, we will never be fully satisfied and fully our answers will not be complete if it's just a math equation. You understand that? Because there's more to life than that. That's not what life is about. And so God comes in a profound way, and it's a mixture of both, hey, I will give you these things so that you're not just like out there or nothing, but there is a step of saying, I step out in faith, and I'm working on a relationship, something I can't quantify and something I can't just formulate. I'm working on a relationship with my creator. I'm tasting I'm seeing, I'm living the life, and I am finding these blessings that come with it. In our life, we are always going to have to figure out what our life is really built on. What is really important. There's, for the rest of your life, you're going to come up against lots of sources or information that is going to tell you that living a life following God is foolish. You're going to hear that. That is going to be a part of our existence and a part of what we experience in this life now and forever. There may be even some legitimate things that people point out and put together. And so I, I, I encourage you and challenge you to look at those things. Think about those things investigate, ask questions, say, what does this mean? How does this apply to my life? But first and foremost, what I want you to say and understand is that you you need to experience. You need to experience the relationship with God. You need to try it out. You need to say a prayer. You need to take a step of faith. You need to walk that walk. And God does something profound and different that goes beyond just all of the questions and answers. In some way, yes, we're in a post-truth world, and that is a little terrifying to me. Okay? A little terrifying, a little overwhelming, and a little scary. And I'm trying to think about how do I, how do I help my, myself and my family grow up in this environment where it doesn't seem like we can come to any point of truth and, and falsehood. It's a scary world to live in. But then, in a profound way, when... There's, there's doubts that definitely creep into my life. There's things that I don't know the answer to. There's times where I am confused and, and, and all those things. But there's something that is a guiding principle that has, has been a part of my life. Has been a part of my life for, for years upon years upon years. Is that there's, there's moments in time where I'm confused and I'm lost and I bow a knee and the presence of God is there. And I can't fully and completely explain that away. But God has been there and God has been faithful. I, I, you know, I can't fully explain it away when, when people are going through trial and difficulty and all kinds of things. And I've seen some of you and other people that I've met that just profoundly going through some of the biggest obstacles, trials, difficulties in life and in an amazing way go through it graciously and humbly, and they're relying on God, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. 
I've seen families reunited. I've seen forgiveness that's taken place. I've seen, seen people come together and try to serve their neighborhood and community. I've seen people come and worship God. People come to an altar in tears saying, God, I need your help and forgiveness. And I've seen people come together in profound ways. I've seen teenagers who are in environments where it's all negative be in a place where they're positive to one another and encourage one another, lift one another up. I've seen these things with my eyes and I've tasted and I've seen. And I'll tell you, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. And so, yes, we should talk about truth and error and we should look at those things. But I just want to tell you that as we start this conversation, like we just live that life and see and experience. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. Pray with me. God, what an overwhelming time and era that we live in. So much information. So many facts that are flying at us, and it's almost disorienting and confusing. What's true, what's not? God, I pray today and even in the coming weeks as we continue to consider the source that we would find that you are our source, that you're the way, the truth, and the life. God, thank you for revealing yourself to people throughout the ages and to us. Thank you for living up to the prophecies and the word and the promises that you've given. And God, thank you for giving us life. You truly are the way, the truth, and the life. So God, today I pray that if we're confused about things like this, if there's all kinds of mixed messages or sources that we're listening to, I pray, God, that we'd be able to narrow it down and, and, and practice a life following you. you to continue to pray and continue to reflect on what is what is your life really built on what is your source of truth what are the voices that are overwhelming and you're listening to in your life what are the things that guide your decision making how you live your life your actions your families what is at the core of who you are what are those things And there may be some of us in this room that, like, we're, we're confused because there's just so much information out there. And maybe we find bits of truth here, bits of truth there, but it's hard to really narrow it down to what my core truth is. The scripture is really clear. It tells us, confess your sins.
Confess your sins and God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. You may have doubts about that. Moses probably had doubts when God showed up in a bush. But he followed and he saw over time that God is good. Sometimes it's just maybe just a tiny little step of faith. Sometimes it's even filled with lots and lots of doubt. But a lot of times it starts by just for the very first time saying, God, forgive me. I want to follow you. And guess what? God shows up. And so there may be some of you in this room that maybe like you've been here, you've been to places like this, but you've never, you've never maybe taken that step of faith, that, that action to say, yes, God, I want to start a relationship with you. I need to tell you, there's no better time than right now. Say, God, forgive me. God, I want to follow you. I want to do it your way. I want to try. If that's you today, just take a moment and it's very simple. Just cry out to God. Say, God, forgive me. God, I I want you to show up in my life. God, I want to follow you. I invite you right now just to offer your prayers to God. Maybe taking that small little step of faith. Faith. 